Listening Dog Media. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply the athletic Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule. It's the penultimate episode of the season. Get your tissue box ready. Don't all cry at once. I'm Kate Forsay and alongside me, she's back from yet another road trip. A couple of laps around the M25, up the M6 and back again. It's Lindsay Hooper. Hello. Hello. I nearly did have some genuine tears. I was at Brighton against Manchester City and saw fans for the first time in ages. And what a result for them as well. So, yeah, I nearly... I nearly wept, but I managed to hold it together. You are sort of allowed to hug fans. Well, you probably wouldn't, would you? But hugging's allowed now too. So I suppose fans are allowed to hug each other. Uh, talking of hugs, it's the Haley with the hugs. It's Haley McQueen, Sky Sports News anchor and mega mama. Hello. Hi. Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly hugging because I, I have a needy toddler who just constantly puts her arms up and wants to be carried and then just wants to be put down and then carried and then put down. So it's um, that's my new gym membership, ladies. And there's plenty of hugs around. But yeah. <laughs> I thought that you, that you were going to say that your Sky Sports News colleagues have been particularly demanding this week since hugs were allowed, Hayley, and that you're not allowed to get onto set without giving someone a big squeeze. Oh, that's- I quite like that idea, depending on who it is. Yeah. <laughs> who would be top of your squeeze list? Ooh, big favorite, John Paul Davies. He's, he's big and Welsh and cuddly. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. He's got, he's got four kids as well. So he's, he's a good, oh, you can be tell good. he's like a good dad cuddle. Yeah. 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 yeah when uh, you do get that hug, I had a hug with Jules Breach, actually. Um, oh. And I, I also had a hug with, with um, someone else at the game who you won't know. But um but yeah, I, I just thought you can't waste that hug. It has. Have to you be just a really gone in there, one. Linz, on the hug? Because I, I haven't. I, I, I saw a really good friend of mine yesterday, and, and and I didn't hug her. And I thought it was because it was. I, I don't know. I just had one of those weird moments of do I go in for the hug, don't I? And then we said goodbye, and that was it. But you're, but oh, you're hugging. I wasn't kind going of to. Who, well, okay. 
So it, it was the the first person that I saw that said, "Oh, we can hug now. I'm going to give you a hug," and it caught me off guard because I'm not a, I'm not that overly affectionate as you know anyway. No, um, I'm not either. <laughs> so I was like, oh, "Okay," and then I thought, "Well, I'm going to roll with this." So when I saw Jules, I said, "We can hug now." So that's fine. oh, I see it's Aww. catching. Oh, well, well, how nice. Well, I can't wait to see you two again at some point in the near future when we can have a good group hug um listen it's been another hectic week in the world of football hasn't it finals galore a shootout for champions league qualification and the departure of one of the game's most senior and most wise figures roy hodgson we'll be talking more about him a little bit later in the show we're also going to be speaking about sing songs and managers this is inspired by pep guardiola who once again has been getting his liam gallagher on and singing a bit of oasis in celebration Mm -hmm. at city winning the title Uh, but first up it is the penultimate show of the season uh, so let's get the report cards ready Okay, so we're going to start the end of term reports early, ladies, if that's okay. Get your report card ready. Get the, whether it's colour coded with different pens or whether it's done on a computer right now. I'm going to focus on the three most recently appointed managers in the Premier League and we're going to uh, see how they've been getting on. GCSEs are awarded in numbers now. Did you know that's it? It's kind of, yeah, no, I know it's rubbish. Uh, But I'm going to go old school with you two because I think uh, we all need to stay on our wavelength uh, and Mm. we'll grade them. It might be an A, it might be a B minus, etc. So we're going to be looking at three of the most recently arrived Premier League managers. Lindsay, you've got Thomas Tuchel, uh, who arrived right at the start of the year at Chelsea. Yes, and what a time he's had. Mm. I mean, he got off to a flying start, didn't he? Unbeaten in his first 10 matches. That was how he crowned life as uh, Chelsea manager right at the beginning. He hasn't done too bad since. I mean, the thing that everyone's going to be screaming out at the radio right now is, look, he lost the FA Cup final to Leicester. So he can't have an A plus, can he? He can't because he lost a trophy. That was the the first chance of silverware uh, in the Thomas Tuchel era, but he has got another chance. And I think the fact that they're in the Champions League final, that is a big one. To get them there, to try and get a Champions League trophy is a huge undertaking anyway, but he has done it really well. And part of the part of this process has been the defence. He's made them so defensively solid. Um, the away form's been fantastic. They're unbeaten in all 10 away matches. Conte, um, lots of people call him Kante, but it is actually Conte in, in French. Do you know that, that we only call him Kante because when Conte was manager, we had to define the difference. But no, really? Yeah, and I go like Conte. about that. Um, But yeah, he wanted to leave the club um, and it looks like he's going to stay because he's enjoying it so much. I think we've got to give a solid B plus to Thomas Tuchel. Mm. I'm I'm straying away from the A. I mean, obviously it will go up to an A if they're champions of Europe um, and the plus would just be knocked off for the fact that they lost that FA Cup final. But I mean, he's well on the way there. You know, Mason Mount has been player of the season. He's flourished under him. I think lots of people thought that he was Lampard's choice and that when Lampard departed, Mason Mount might not perform as well as he had Mm. been, but he's actually gone on to do even better. I really like this manager. I did his first press conference as Chelsea manager and I I was super um, taken back by by the way that he spoke about football the way how honest he was the way he was answering everything 
I think he's the new Jurgen Klopp in the Premier mm. League to rival Jurgen in terms mm. of, of people liking him and admiring him from other clubs as well. So yeah, I'm going to give him a B plus. What's his English grade, Linz, if you were to grade his English? Oh, I'd give him an A. I mean, he's better. he's got better English than most English people. <laughs> okay. And what about, um, he, he isn't adverse, is he, to having sort of a bit of a joke? He's not ha-ha bonk book or anything, but he is sort of quite light-hearted sometimes, which I like him for. So I don't know whether you'd call that drama or what kind of skill you'd call it, but he's uh, you know, certainly rewind, got please? a personality. What did you say? Ha-ha what? Ha-ha bonk bonk. Ha-ha bonk book is the legendary joke book that listeners of a certain age to this show oh, will wow. remember. And it's, it's got jokes like, how do you make an no apple puff chase it around the garden? So those wow. really, you know, junior <laughs> jokes, the ha-ha bonk book. Which you know means a laugh a minute, basically in oh. in my language. But yeah, he's 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 sort of certainly not not sort of a sterile German, is he? No. And look, this grade could have easily have slipped down to a B or a B minus had Chelsea lost the game midweek against Leicester. But now it looks like mm. they could even finish third on the final day of the season because they beat Leicester in that crucial game just a few days after being beaten at Wembley. And to actually get the team rallied and ready to respond like that, that was another testament. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, jokes aside, footballing matters, first and foremost, Kate, loving him, <laughs> loving his work. <laughs> okay, Hayley, you have been given Hecking Bottom. Yeah, well... <sighs> Hecking Bottom was a manager that I don't think Sheffield United were all that stoked about getting. He wasn't the kind of guy that they thought, right, he's going to come in and completely save our season. Uh, they were doomed when he went in anyway. Um, he's not like a massive name, but he did really great things um, before he went, of course. Not, not massively high profile things, but he did a good job at Barnsley, won them promotion. Yes, Leeds didn't quite work out. He still has a problem with that, but he was great at Hibs. He's a real tactician. He's very intelligent. He's been described as being too clever for football. Um, and yeah, fans at Hibs really loved him for a time. Um, coming into Sheffield United, it was a huge, huge task for him. They should have just really kept Chris Wilder, shouldn't they? They he inherited a team in, in in dire straits. I just think he was tasked with doing the almost impossible. I think he did steady the ship a little bit and he worked really hard. Apparently he prepared the players really well. He tried to keep them positive, but he took over a group of players that were kind of down long before he even took over. So how you managed to galvanise a squad that are basically staring the championship in the face is a really, really tough task. I think the players like him. He's right up there as well as someone that the owners are seeing potential in to take them in the championship and maybe bring them back up because he wouldn't be up there in the mix for the job permanently, would they? If, if the owners didn't think they saw something in there, he did get a win against Brighton. He did get a win against Everton, but it was just defeats galore throughout March, most of April. And then of course, um, towards the end of the season, just losing to Newcastle and they take on Burnley. They'll be hoping that the Sheffield United fans will see something in that game um, that they can take away as a positive heading into the championship next season. I'm giving him a B plus just because I I think he was facing no. an, yeah, an impossible job. Oh my gosh, yeah. you can't give him the same as Tuchel. Yeah, but I would say Tuchel isn't, isn't Tuchel an A. Maybe a C plus. I just think he's tried really hard. He tried really hard. I, I interviewed him post-match for, for one of the games that I did with Prime Video and he's, he's a really good talker and 
yeah, you know, there, there may be potential there, but has he lit up the torch paper? Has he gone, oh, you, I'm going to try something completely different here? No, I don't think I don't think he has. Um, has he done a better job than Chris Wilder would have done had he stayed in the role? I don't think so. Arguably, yeah. Tough one. Tough one to think about that. The, the one thing that he did do, and this was one of the reasons why I was, I was giving him maybe a higher score um, or a higher grade, was because he just took a bit of a punt towards the end of the season, popped on Daniel Jebbinson. That was very exciting, of course, um, to have this young Canadian kid on that not many people knew about at 17 years and 309 days old um, at Goodison. So, you know, it was. It's tough to go to Goodison. It's tough to play against Everton. Um, but for the youngest player to score a game-winning goal in the Premier League since Federico Makeda, former Manchester United player, always have to get in a Manchester United link. Um, oh no, we should have banned that this week. No, Man especially United. after last week. Hayley. Yeah, sorry. After you, had Mandy, now. last week. Yeah. No. But I, I think he's going to need to use young players next season. I think he's going to need to be a bit more creative. And fair enough. He just he. he he was a little bit brave and did that and the young man stepped up to the plate and, and didn't let his manager down. Very good indeed. Well, I have been given Sam Allardyce and of course, wow. uh, he's sort of handed in his own report card, mm. <laughs> um, hasn't he really, by saying that he is leaving West Brom at the end of the season. Um, so he's sort of done my job for me, but mm. um, there's no reason why we can't go in and have a look subject by subject. So I'm remembering my report cards, girls. They used to be um, sort of a quarter of an A4 sized page and they used to be clipped like stapled together by the teachers they were sort of proper blue blue peter made little little booklets <laughs> and you'd get a slip for each subject and you get a grade for each subject so that's kind of what I've tried to do for Sam Allardyce arrived at West Brom uh, 15th of December 2020 is when he took over so for history um, overall, I've given him an A minus because his history is having saved 100% of the teams that he was managing in terms of relegation has now got a big blip in it. So I've given him a minus for that. Maths, well, he's got a D because whether you like it or not, if you add up all the points he earned whilst in charge of West Brom, that's 19. It didn't add up mathematically to be enough to keep the side to stay up. But it was significantly more than the points that they got under Billich. Absolutely significantly, but the math still didn't work, did it? So he might have got the numbers, but the math still didn't add up for the side to stay up. So he's been given a D. Just generally, languages. I've given him a D for that. Um, languages and uh, foreign I don't think managers. He any other languages? Does he? Well, the whole joke about Big Sam is that he says he doesn't get enough of the really big jobs because he's not foreign. Sam Aladici is uh, was his suggestion as to what he might like to be known. So um, I've given him a D for languages because whether you like it or not, Sam, you are not Sam Aladici. Um, woodwork. I've given him a C for woodwork. The side hit the woodwork 14 times. They are midway up the woodwork table. I didn't have a look at yours. I think I think Chelsea is slightly higher up, actually. Uh, so, yeah, so he's got a middling C for woodwork in terms of how many times the side struck it. Um, best in show for him, the draw against Liverpool was a big turning point, wasn't it? And that 5-2 win over Chelsea as well. So yeah. best in show on his report cards would be those. I was looking at how the team played under him and 
trying to give a, a, a bit of a broad arching view. Now, um, those people who've been tucking into the headlines already from the last few days will know that he hit out at Mikel Antonio, the West Ham player, um, who criticised Sam Allardyce's style of play and uh, basically said that uh, the Baggies played too directly, chasing balls into the channels, which was not entirely accurate. And I think that's what's aimed towards Big Sam uh, a lot, isn't it? That his playing style is too direct and not that flair-like, not that inventive. He gets the job done. But I don't think that's necessarily always the case. I think that that's an accusation and perhaps a tag, a label, which has followed him around a little bit. And so in terms of chemistry, biology and physics, so all those sciences looped in together, I've actually given him a B minus. It wasn't enough to keep the team alive. Did he do a good job? Yes, he did. Did he get the team playing well? Yes, to a B minus level. Uh, but there weren't enough A star performances in there, arguably, to make sure that the job was done. So there you go. Uh, we've got to say goodbye to Big Sam. He says he's uh, not a long-term manager at this stage in his career. He's a short-term man. He didn't want to commit to the side for them to go down and to get promoted again. He didn't He didn't want to commit that much time to the club. So yeah, um, I don't think it'll be his last job. So I think we'll be seeing another report card for Sam Allardyce at another club at some point in the future. All right. So the report cards are in. They'll be in a nice little brown envelope given to each of those managers, Paul Heckingbottom, Thomas Tuchel. Wow. Oh no, I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to think about what you two would have had on yours. I think Haley and I both would have had, you know, talk a bit too much. No, yes. Haley, Haley would have been a I can Haley, you were a real swat, weren't you? A a bit of a yeah, a bit of a were. swat, yeah. A bit a cool of a swat. swat. I was kind of one of those, I wasn't like one of the most popular kids, that's for sure. But I was very into my art and my P. That's where I excels. Academically, I was just kind of in the middle. I got, yes, I got mainly A's and a few B's for GCSEs. Um, and you can guess what I got the C in. That was actually geography. I got a C was in geography. Was it geography? Okay. Yeah, which is terrible because I've moved around a lot. Um, <laughs> that was, I was absolutely devastated. Not necessarily um, relevant when it comes to sedimentary rock though, is it? So. I, no, I was very upset about it. I did better in my sciences than my geography, but I would wipe the floor uh, now in a geography test. I think the amount of traveling I've done. Um, yeah, it's true. Around, you know, the UK. Um, do you remember when you used to have to take those big giant squares out and throw them onto the ground and count how many daisies or blades of grass were within those. I just didn't see the point in it. So no, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't remember that I don't at all. That. Um, yeah, we had some Weird. animals at our school, and we had to learn about artificially inseminating oh. sheep. Oh, I, I remember that. Um, I reckon yours said um, Kate is very strong-willed. I think you um, were de- you were definitely intelligent at school. I. <laughs> What on earth happened since? It's all downhill since then. Um, I don't think I was strong-willed, actually. Um, I think I was, like, diligent and I was quite determined, but I definitely wasn't sort of as bossy as I am now. I think it's having kids that brings out the bossiness <laughs> in me, hoops. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, I certainly... And, and, and I loved, of course, I loved drama, I loved English and I loved languages. Um, so not much has changed. But But I didn't love studying and so I left school at 16 because I just... I, I just could not apply myself to the kind of study part of it. Whereas I can imagine, wow. Hayley, that you were quite a diligent studier. I Lindsay, loved you would school. always do enough to get by, right? Oh, yeah. I, you might get me all wrong here. 
You might oh, get me okay. all wrong. I, I'm going to leave. The, I'm going to leave the audience to work out what they think because oh. it, it's really funny that um, you give off this impression in life. And I think everybody knows that I was really, really sporty, but my own teachers didn't realise what I was like within the whole school. So my PE teacher thought that I was just sport and really not very academic um, because she just knew that I lived in the PE department. And my my teachers that all wanted me to do their subjects didn't realise I was so sporty. So oh, I... That's um, so interesting. Yeah. I, I, I was... I was so you were a bit of a behaved. secret SWAT, were you? At school, yes. I mean, at university, no. University, well, I... Bets off at university, uh, isn't it, for most people? I mean, come university, on. University, I, ju- I just cruised. And much to the <laughs> annoyance of some of my fellow students, actually. And Ed Draper and I, Ed Draper from Sky Sports, oh. we were on exactly the same course. No at way. Was Ed um, a real SWAT and you weren't? He was more of a SWAT than I was. Mm. I just used to live in the student radio station because I knew that's what I wanted to do. And so I just, but I still got the same grade as Ed. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just didn't do very much in comparison to some of the others. I pulled a lot of all-nighters at, at university. Did you? Get, oh God, I remember them. Assignments Crikey. In, yeah. yeah, I did. The, I was the same. I'm a bit of a last minute type person. Mm. I have all good intentions of, of, I have a set out a plan. I'm very organized, very methodical. And, I, and then you don't I, execute I plan that. my plan. Exactly. It's just, I do, but it's just far too late and it's just all rushed, like everything at the moment in my life right now. <laughs> well, let's move on to topic two. One man who has, well, he is a connoisseur of the game. He is the wise man of the game. He's done a lot of studying in his time, learnt quite a few languages and that is Roy Hodgson. He's confirmed that he'll be leaving Crystal Palace at the end of the season when his contract expires. Uh, The 73-year-old former England boss said the time is right to step away from the rigours of top flight Premier League football. His first managerial job, by the way, ladies, was 45 years ago. That's old. I wasn't covering that one. I wasn't covering it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's the end of an era for Palace. But where do they go from here? What does the rebuild look like in South East London? So chip in however you like, ladies. Uh, You might have ideas about who should be the next manager, player departures, arrivals, how the club can push on beyond mid-table, the occasional flirt with relegation. Um, Where do we stand on the club? Of course, it's all very well me saying push on beyond that. But of course, resource has to come into play, doesn't it, Hoops? Will Palace always be a sort of mid to lower table club without without hammering into them too much? It it, it is about a realistic expectation when you're coming up against the mega budgets of Manchester City and Chelsea, isn't it? Yeah, but they've got location on their side. So being in South London, um, that's been a hotbed of talent. um, and, And I think they are focusing once more on their academy again, which is exactly what they need to do because the amount of talent they've brought through um, in the past, and I think think they let it go a little bit. So that has become um, front and centre again for them. Um, So location is definitely a a plus because when you look at other teams in their vicinity in the Premier League that are scattered around the rest of the country, I'm sorry, but that attraction to come to London is always going to shine over. So you're probably, if you've got a player that's, choosing between Crystal Palace and potentially going somewhere like Villa or Wolves, um, then I think they'd probably go 
palace because of the location. So you have got that pulling factor. There's this redevelopment as well. I was there, um, I don't know how many years ago this is now because I'm really bad with time, but Roy Hodgson, it must be about three years because I don't think he'd long been in the job. And it was when Palace announced the redevelopment of Selhurst Park and all of their plans. And I went along to that and I, and I actually chatted in depth with Roy um, about all the plans for Crystal Palace. And you know what? He's kept up his end of the bargain, hasn't he? He's kept them in the Premier he's kept League. Them up, yeah. Not only has he done that, he's improved points tally each season. And I mean, I think they could have feasibly had their best points tally in the Premier League. I don't know whether that will happen now um, after the last result, but they're, they're there or thereabouts. And the next manager coming in, I I think from a Steve Parrish point of view, is going to want to take them on to that next level. So how do you get them to the Europa League places? How do you get them to be challenging in about 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th with your likes of Everton's, your your Wolves, your Villas, your West Ham's? That's where they need to be. I was reading a couple of pieces on this and Sky Sports News um, had been told, had, had been given some information about what the club wanted. Actually, Steve Parrish also spoke to them, but I think that this came separately, that, that, that they basically want their new manager to bring an identity of progressive attacking football. And they also mentioned developing talent, which um, I know that you've discussed as well. So um, here's where they want to be, Lindsay. They want a new identity. Progressive attacking football is what they're after. Well, in that case, if we're going to do a, a massive overhaul and we can we can go around and chip in as we see fit, but if we're going to do an overhaul of this squad... We'll come on to manager in, in a minute, but what they need is they need a good striker and they don't have one of those. I honestly think that Christian Benteke is Adebayor in disguise. You know, his his contract is up for renewal yeah. and he, he's coming in. I, I never, I'll never forget because actually when I interviewed Adebayor at Palace, um, I actually really liked him and I didn't want to like him because I know that he had this habit of turning it on when he needed a contract. And, yes. and Benteke, I feel like that, it, like it's it's more than a thing. coincidence. It's Perhaps convenient, it's just isn't that they're it? They're coming suddenly... towards the end of their career. He knows he hasn't got an awful lot of clubs in him. Maybe, maybe he has 30. to manage his. Yeah, well, yeah. And um, yeah. so Palace are going to have to get rid of up to about twelve senior players. Now, Parish has already said that the squad is too big. It's not like there's a big clear out because things have gone wrong. He's just said that the squad's too big. And there's Benteke, McCarthy, Kay, loads of names there, which are all out of contract this summer. Townsend's out of contract. I just want to add in there, it's not just too big, it's too old. The average yeah. age of their starting lineup is the highest of all 20 clubs. So they're going to have to look to youth. They're going to have to look to the academies. When you look at the players out of contract, there's a list that I have found. There's actually 15 players out of contract altogether, and they range from the age of 28 to 35. Obviously, Gary Cahill being one of the oldest, mm. but you've got Jeffrey Schlupp there. He's, he's 28. Townsend, 29. Van Aanholt is already in his 30s. Also in his 30s, Joel Ward, James MacArthur, Mamadou Sacco, Nathaniel Klein, James MacArthur, Wayne Hennessy, Scott Dan, Martin <laughs> Kelly still there <laughs> at the it's club. It's like the, the, even, the uh, veteran Roy yeah, has, been, uh, even, has been collecting veteran mm-hmm, players, hasn't he? Even Connor Wickham, he's 28 years old already. Um, so they definitely need an injection of youth. And I think they'll have a mass exodus and they'll be left without a lot of the experience that they had, which is, I think, why they've done quite well this season, finishing where they have. You're just going to have to be really, really careful about that. And again, I think it's another reason why a manager needs to be appointed ASAP 
So I think there there really is going to be or needs to be a, a massive rebuild at the club here with so many players departing um, and with them needing to bring in exactly as you said, Lindsay, uh, a striker. I think they're going to need a bit of pace Eze's on the wings as, as well. By the way, so yeah. Eze's had this freak training injury. Incident. Anyone yeah. know what happened there? Yeah, well, it happened in training, but they're saying that it's so bad that it could actually impact him not even being ready for the start of next season. Yes, six and months that, possibly. That is a huge, huge miss because Wilfred Zahar, who's been, you know, this one team, this one man team, isn't he? Um, yeah, Zahar. It, it's been like he's that a great example of the academy, isn't he? Yes. And he finally, I think, felt like, wow, I've got someone here in Eze that it's not all on me anymore, but it is going to be on him again. Um, so they, they definitely need to bring in more attacking players. I'm I'm bringing in, I'm looking at you know the teams that are going down, getting relegated. Who do I want to rescue from there? Somebody has to get Joachim Anderson from Fulham because not only is he a great defender, but he is captain material. And I think that's what Palace need. You know, Spurs are, are rumoured to be interested in Joachim Anderson. I think there's other Premier League clubs that are going to go in for him. He was only on loan at Fulham. But you've got to make a big, bold move and get someone that can be a potential leader in this team, mm. someone who a long is going to just make investment. it click. Yeah, yeah. long-term investment. And then I think Conor Gallagher from West Brom, who's um, on loan from Chelsea. I think he's an exciting young talent. And in terms of up front, it, it sort of links in with my manager appointment because if you can go for anyone, I know that Lampard is strongly being linked and there are other names in the hat, but... If you're Crystal Palace, who is it that you should do everything you could to get? Burnley fans, shut your ears off. Oh, because you're going to go Sean, Sean Dyche. Yeah, because he has to be, in terms of his experience and what he has done with Burnley and getting them to, to European, you have got to look, that, look at that as a model of this is what we want to do. And he's already done it. And he's he's already done it with with a limited budget and I think he could bring the likes of a Chris Wood or a Matty Vidra over with him and you only need about three or four key players here to just bulk out the spine of the squad and offload a lot of the others and yeah. and you could be in with a with a chance under Sean Dyche but I think another manager coming in like Lampard is going to want to do a lot of buying and you're going to need a lot of budget yeah you've also got to choose a manager who um who believes in the academy system and youth investment and and bringing through youth players what they're saying is they sort of want to look at Southampton's model perhaps and um look at look at youth investment i mean he's obviously been heavily linked to celtic but is eddie howe a shout for crystal palace to me he would he would he would fit well he'd definitely be a good fit. I know that there are questions as to his success outside Bournemouth and that's always been a bit of a blip on his CV. But if you're investing in the manager, I would, you know, long term, Eddie Howe could be really good for that club. But I think there is a question mark with Eddie Howe because of what he did at Burnley. And yeah, and I and I think that's what you can't do. You can't over, overhaul an entire squad and have a question mark with the manager it this isn't a punt this is a I need assurance mm. and that's why I just, I think I just don't know whether Dyche. Sean Dyche and Crystal Palace fits for me 
at all. All right, um, let's let's round up Palace. Just a quick one on Hodgson, um, because I'd like to imagine how he's going to retire if he does leave football completely. We don't know that that's the case yet, but if he does retire, um, do you each have a suggestion about what he might do? Will he be living abroad? What hobbies is he going to take up to keep himself busy? Hayley, should we start with you? What can you imagine Roy doing? I think he just needs to retire and just enjoy, just enjoy <laughs> life. I think he just needs to sit back in one of those lazy boy chairs with a little beer and just enjoy <laughs> watching some movies and some old classics and just completely cut off from football. Take the missus out for lovely long dinners, spend time with the family, get himself on a, on a holiday. I could see him travelling the world, actually. He's that type, yeah, I isn't could, he? I, mean, I could see him going on those special sort of older person travel tours. Yes. You know, where they to just the Himalayas. Yes. Okay. Saga. He's going to go on a big, <laughs> a big saga on, trip. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily to have South him on America. Saga. I'd have him on one of those premium later in life services. Um, I just think Roy, Roy and me is, you know, gardening. I think, I think he's going to start gardening his, gardening his garden. Like it's gardening a his pitch. garden. Yes. Gardening his garden, <laughs> gardening his lawn. Like it's a football. I can, I can just see Ray there doing a really good and precise job, and and and, and just and, and and having an amazing garden. One of the reasons I was I was mentioning Roy and travelling and going around the world because actually that's what he intended to do when he was forty. He actually said, um, "This was this was dug up in an, in an old book." Uh, when Bobby Horton and I started off in management in our late 20s, we were going to retire at 40 and start a travel agency. So imagine <laughs> that. He was going to do a bit of club management in his 20s and 30s. They've got this big grand plan to basically retire at 40 and then travel around a little bit and open up a tra- traveling agency. Um, yeah. So they they these these two great men of football, worked together at Maidstone, then travelled to South Africa, and then they went to Malmo in Sweden together. They went their separate ways, but both, of course, continued to go on and manage Roy up until the, you know, the ripe old age that he's at now. But imagine that, thinking that you were going to retire at 40. I should have retired (laughs) last year. Crikey. Um, uh, You've interviewed um, Roy probably more than both of us together, Lindsay. What's your suggestion for what he might get up to? Well... I think he's got a lot of books. I saw him being interviewed and his bookshelf is full. So he might he might actually do a book of his own. And that might be one of the first things that happens. And he can write because one of the stories that I loved to see, um, if you're on Twitter, Phil Dorwood um, posted a really lovely thread about Roy Hodgson yesterday. Um, when Fulham finished seventh, this was back in the 2008-2009 season, it was Phil's job as a journalist to get a manager to write the forward for a Premier League annual report. And it was deemed that with Fulham finishing so high in the table, Roy Hodgson was the man. And he went down to the training ground um, on a Friday to speak to Roy about it and said, look, and we'd love you to do this forward for this Premier League annual report. And Roy said, you know what? I don't want to do this now with you. I want time to think about it. It's important. Can you come back on Monday and I will give you some words. And he was like, yeah, absolutely no problem. And he said this was the measure of the man and how seriously he took things. Over that weekend, when the journalist returned on the Monday, Roy, handwritten, handed him over four pages and he thought about every word. And he said he hardly needed to change a thing in it. And he'd just taken the time out and, and done it properly. And And actually, as a journalist, I have to say that Roy 
He knows your name. When he comes over, he says hello. And, you know, those little touches just make you feel like you're important. And he had that really great ability of making you feel like you were needed or that you were relevant. Because sometimes you think, oh, do they even know who I am? You know, they see yes. me from one week to the and next. seen as a bit of an inconvenience. Well, happy yeah. retirement from the offside rule, Roy Hodgson. Okay, topic three, don't look back in anger. This is on the back of Pep Guardiola, who's been singing Oasis again, not for the first time, of course, but after City won the league. Uh, He had a good old sing-song in front of his phone, which then, of course, got blasted all over Twitter. uh, And he was uh, hollering out uh, some of the City lines. Not a bad singer, uh, actually, Pep. Not sure if we can hear a bit now, but not a bad singer. Uh, it got me thinking about other managers who love a bit of a sing-along. And um, who wants to go first on this one? Hayley. Okay, yeah, I found a, a really great clip of a um, real Sociedad manager, um, Imanol Al- Algisil. I don't know if I've pronounced his name wrong. I'm very sorry about that. But he actually turned into a fan. He was at his press conference in a nice black V-neck T-shirt with a black blazer. And then just moments later, turns up in a club shirt and starts singing and chanting. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, He's a fan of, of, of the club that he manages as well. And yeah, he led them to their first major trophy in 34 years after they beat Athletic Bilbao in the final of the cup competition just this year. But it's great. And he sang, this is for all of you. Gipuzokwa. Um, I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> pronounce it. For all those who feel the Real, come on, Real, Real, come on, Gozen. And he just sings away, happy as anything, in the mic. And you see these great scenes as well, which you quite often do when, when you know, managers have won things at clubs, particularly abroad in Europe. Um, so, yeah, he was clapping passionately um, after he'd done a song, a bit like when a child claps themselves when they've done something good. And the, <laughs> the whole team sort of raised him up in the air and lifted him up and threw him up. And there's great pictures that you can see online if, if you go and have a little bit of a, a bit of a search with all of the players lifting him up. It's just a real shame that obviously the stadium's um, completely empty. Yeah. But, but... Yeah, it's 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 really good. I'll send that one to you too. Mm. Glenn Hoddle, of course, uh, former England manager, Wolves, Southampton, etc. That was on the Mars Singer. Did anyone see him as the grandfather clock? Um, not a bad effort at all, I have to say. Um, he's got quite kind of a crooner's voice. It didn't. It he did rock around the clock, and that didn't work so well. Um, but there's a there's a, a sort of couple of more crooner like songs he did on the Masked Singer, and yeah, nice voice. Of course, there was the famous um, Hoddle and Waddle song combo, wasn't there? Decades ago now. Um, but yes. Glenn Huddle on The Masked Singer. The one that shocked me on The Masked Singer was Teddy Sheringham when he was the tree. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> that was so random. Like, just what? <laughs> Good voice. I think that's a better voice than Glenn, actually. Um, <laughs> okay. Kate and I have got a shared story of of karaoke in, um, in France at the oh, Euros. Oh, gosh. Forgotten about this. And... Yeah, we ended up. I mean, how do we even describe this? So there was there was a bit of a media huddle, and um, we were hanging out with some of the the broadcasters out at the Euros, in particular the BBC pundits. And Alan Shearer was one of them. Dean Saunders was there, and we ended up back at a hotel. This sounds a bit dodgy. Um, we ended up at a hotel in this 
it was like a it was a boardroom, wasn't it? And there were some drinks, and and Kate and I were just having a chat, and then suddenly. Out of nowhere, karaoke starts, uh, people start singing. Alan Shearer did Sex on Fire and he was brilliant. <laughs> I couldn't believe what a fantastic voice he had. It was so good. And yeah, we, we were there till about, was it about three in the morning? We were there a long time. And I think that that may have been the um, the ending of that particular facility for broadcasters uh, I think it was a I think it was a one night only uh after the hotel kind of drew the line but yeah I, I mean a great a great voice and what he did Lindsay, is he gave it his full amount of enthusiasm so even if he, he didn't have the best voice in the world he gave it everything but like on the pitch gave though. it everything he did though he had yeah, a brilliant he did have voice. a good voice he did have a good so voice. much so that every time the mass singer comes around I'm like Alan Shearer as soon as they say football, I'm like, Alan Shearer. It's got to be Alan Shearer one day because he he really can hold a tune. Um, another one as well, and I, I don't know whether there was any singing going on. I presume there was. But do you remember when uh, when he was Everton manager, Roberto Martinez, at a Jason Derulo concert um, and he was caught dancing away? He must have been singing along too. And this <laughs> clip went viral, if you remember. Couple from me, um, there was a revelation about how badly Gareth Southgate and his England team sang when there were no crowds last October. There was a video going around on Twitter that had picked up the moment that they were singing the national anthem and some of them absolutely tone deaf. Not something you want to enjoy watching back. Um, Here's a connection for you, a managerial connection. Brendan Rodgers, his brother Malachi, um, uh, has made a bit of a name for himself as a country singer. Apparently, you did the pub circuit around County Antrim before moving to Nashville, Tennessee. Who knew? Wow. And he's not bad either. Uh, we'll try and play a little bit in so you can sample it for yourself, listeners. Wow. Uh, but yeah, Maliki Rogers. I'm alive and well. Look outside, it's a beautiful morning. And here's one for a bit of fun. Uh, Leonid Slutsky, he is the Ruben Kazan manager, former player as well. This Christmas, just gone, he released his own version of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. And it is awful. I don't know why he's done it. I hope it's for charity. And that's uh, that's the only reason, really, that's acceptable. But yeah, uh, Slutsky's version of Mariah. I mean, anyone who attempts Mariah Carey anyway is silly enough. But All I Want for Christmas, it's 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 very bad indeed. Oh, I've got something that all Lindsay will want for Christmas. It's Mick McCarthy, okay, <laughs> featuring in a deep house track. So a yeah, a deep house DJ has basically taken I don't like clips. Deep house, but I like Mick. Yeah, he's got he's got a track with Mick McCarthy's vocals on it. Um, yeah, What's and he saying? says. It's not about an individual. It's about the whole team. It's got to be. And then there's like, give him a nudge, give him a nudge and tell him to shut his gob. And then there's a selection of other comments from the uh, Republic of Ireland manager. It's it's we very, very... I've sent it to you as a link. <laughs> okay. Listeners, go and have a little Google. Yeah, Okay, let's finish up this podcast then on any other business, the stories that may have gone under the radar or that you want to mention from the past seven days in football. Lindsay, one from you, please. 
This is a really lovely story, actually, about Kian Prince, who was the 15-year-old who was stabbed to death uh, trying to break up a fight at school and was part of the QPR Youth Academy. Um, FIFA 21 have added him to their game on the anniversary of his death. So I think I think he must be about 30 years old in this game. And his dad's just said how much of a lovely touch it's been, being able to see him playing in this game, you know, bringing him back to life in a way. Yes, yeah, um, And for those people that, that weren't across this story, you might have known about it in his name because Loftus Road was actually renamed the Kim Prince Foundation Stadium in his honour. But what what a nice touch that was. Yeah, really nice touch. Talking of nice touches, Manchester City's owner, Sheikh Mansour, is going to pay the travel costs of fans attending the Champions League final. Uh, City have got 6,000 tickets for the game um, and uh, he's going to apparently stump up the costs. Chelsea have announced that they'll subsidise official travel packages to help as many supporters as possible. Possible that, of course, in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. Wow. I've got a lovely one. It's very stylish. Um, Adidas have released um, a very special anniversary kit for the Japan national team. It is so cool that it is in a wooden box. It's shipped wow. out, this 100th anniversary kit, shipped out in a traditional Japanese wooden box. And it also includes 10 little postcards that tell the history oh. of Japanese soccer, as well as a little chronological table. It's a graphic designer's dream. It is just beautiful. Oh, that's did so Did we nice. ever cover, very briefly, did we ever mention mm. that we were an answer on Tipping Point? Oh, we, we did, didn't. yes. Oh, did we? yeah, we did. We did. We, yeah, I'm sure. No, you're of thinking it. of the chase. Oh, we were in the tipping point. I was thinking yes, of the Hayley, chase. Yes, Hayley, breaking news. We were then on tipping what? point. We, if we get on beat the chasers, we get the full wow. three hat trick. There you go. <laughs> we were going rising through the ranks. Um, sad news to end on, ladies. Ibrahimovic is out of Euro 2020. Can you believe it? Oh. Uh, he's got a bad injury and uh, a knee injury, and um, and he's out. So uh, I know how much we love devouring over Ibrahimovic mm-hmm. and all of his antics. Sadly, yeah. uh, we won't be seeing him. Uh, during the summer at the Euros. Um, I'm going to finish things up there, ladies, because we're out of time. Thank you very much to everyone listening for letting us know how you're finding us. It's at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. The website is offsiderulepodcast.com. Um, Hayley, for you this weekend, are you, are you back in the studio? No, I'm going to be in Chester. The other half has Ooh. a bit of a job and we've decided to, as a family, because we can now go and travel and stay over somewhere. We've got a little cottage and we're going to stay in Chester, oh, which is really nice. I, I know this is my big summer holiday. Uh, final day of the season. I'm at Wolves against Manchester United. Oh. Um, I just can't wait to see my own fans, yes. some of them. So that will be a nice way to end the season. Regardless of the result, Hayley, I don't need any messages. If you see Lindsay at this game, go and give her a hug. She loves them. Uh, but only if you're a Wolves fan. Uh, thank you very much for listening. It's the final show of the season next week. We'll catch you then. You've been listening to The Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. The Athletic. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.